Welcome back. It's Rachel Ellison. So sometimes when I talk about my work, and this happened to me this week a couple times, people say, wow, helping parents find work-life fit. That is so specific. How come? I mean, they don't always ask, but sometimes they do. And they look at me and then they're like, why is this such a big deal? And I, it occurred to me that listeners of this podcast might also be asking themselves the question, why do I care so much about the future of work and about work-life fit and flexibility? Why working parents? Why is that my priority? I've seen parents working burnt out, sleep deprived, with very little autonomy over their schedule. And I've seen parents who are less exhausted, more motivated by their work. They might be working the exact same amount of hours, but they feel like they have more control. And I see the impact that that has on their families. It's significant. But we have a problem. We have an energy problem. We are exhausted. Katrina Elkhorn's book, Maxed Out, came out this week. And, you know, the title says it all. We're either leaning in and close to maxed out or we opt out entirely. We also have a systems problem. Work is not structured in a way that works for parents. And while organizations like A Better Balance and Flex Jobs 1 million for work flexibility are paving the way for legislative and social change, we are not there yet. So essentially my answer to the question everyone's asking, why help these parents find work that works for them, is how could I not? How could I not help parents feel more productive? How can I not allow them to, without sounding cheesy, live up to their potential? There's so much they can accomplish. How could I not? In today's podcast, I talked to Paulette Light. I loved her take in her article in The Atlantic, Why 43% of Women with Children Leave Their Jobs and How to Get Them Back. Because instead of getting caught up in the drama of mommy wars, which is literally like, I guess not literally, figuratively like fingernails on a chalkboard to me at this point, she proposes solutions. Solutions for how to do things differently. Solutions that are mindful of what businesses need and what individual need, individuals need. And that's what we need now. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks. This all started with your article, which I thought was so on point and really hit on, you know, we haven't really had a chance to, to talk this out much. It's just been some tweets back and forth and some yeah, messages. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I really, I think that you hit it. And this is something that a, that a lot of my clients have been saying is that it's lovely this whole message of leaning in is is wonderful and and we hoped that it would speak to our generation but it actually kind of almost excludes people who you know are in their 30s and 40s who are who have young children and who are trying to figure out how do I make my place in the workforce because I'm quite talented thank you very much and I'm quite smart and trained (laughs) Um, and it doesn't, you know, I, I shouldn't have to make such a stark choice between one and the other. So I want to hear exactly your 
your take on this. Um, you wrote about it so eloquently, and I and I love Lisa Belkin wrote a really great response to to you as well, which will she I did love. that was terrific. I loved it. I loved yeah, it. it was really great. So what what you know in your own words, what what prompted you to write to write that article in the Atlantic? So I, it really was my struggle, and I am, you know, I read these these articles about these stupid mommy wars, and mm-hmm. the bottom line is none of them really highlighted what I was going through, which was right. that I, you know, I was an active member of the workforce. I really thought that I'd be, I'd continue to be an active member of the workforce. I had my kids. I felt like that was an important part to be an active member uh, as a mom, an active member of my family. And as you just were saying, there wasn't, there wasn't really a place. And so, and I really wasn't finding that there were solutions that were being uh, brought about. There were, there's a lot of emotion around the issues, but not a lot of solutions around the issues. And so I really wrote the article because I felt like there was something, there was an argument that wasn't being made. Mm-hmm. Out, uh, out as, as we try to examine how to best, uh, support working moms and stay at home moms. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit more as you say there's a lot of emotion? Can you sort of specify where's the emotion coming from? Where is it going? How do you, you know, see that? Yeah. Um, you know what I think it is? And, and, and I've been, and actually, I've been thinking a lot about this. I think that what happens is that every, situation is really um is really individual sure and so what happens often is and the choices we make in terms of being um a good worker being a good mom being a good daughter being a good wife being you know all these things is a very um we have all these expectations of our lives and what we are hoping to be and when we feel like we're not necessarily reaching our potential, especially for people who've lived their lives reaching their potential, right. um, and sort of just say, you know, tell me the direction, point me there, and I'll get you there, right? right? And so we have all these people who've spent their lives being like, I can do homework. I can get this job done. Like, let me, like, just let me figure this out, and I'll do it. Right. Um, to have situations where oh, my gosh, there is a lot here, and I can't swallow all of it. How do I make choices, and what are the right choices? And so all of that is combined with, frankly, um, you know, being women and being intuitive and emotional. And uh, I think that we look at solutions that other people have have come to, Mm -hmm. and we look at it through our lens and say, okay, well, how does that apply to me and how does that work and, and how do I make it work, right? Like, so mm-hmm. it becomes a, a very um, individual and emotional um, decision. Uh, and so I think that's sort of where where things come to because we're always looking at, okay, well, I didn't take that path. Would that have been better for me? Would, would it have been easier if I did this? And really constantly evaluating the situations rather than, okay, this is, okay, this is where I am right now. Right, right. Yes, we're constantly playing the the sort of comparison game and we're constantly also listening to, you know, when you say talking about a lot of emotions out there, I also 
think about, oh, there's just this constant ping-ponging in the mommy wars of sort of like who's doing it right, where do we, where, you know, how should we be doing this when there's obviously no answer. And as you're saying, and I completely agree, it's very individualized. Um, but the emotions still fly. So I want to, I want to co- uh, come back a little bit to your story because I want to hear exactly, you know, you talked about after having your second child, you decided, you know, it really, yeah. you needed to make the decision to leave the workforce. So, so let's talk a little bit more about that. How did, how did you come to that decision? Like walk us through what that process Sure. Was. Well, I was a, after my first child, I was a management consultant. I was right. still at my firm and, and, and they were pretty terrific. I mean, to the point of, um, I wish I took a picture, but I still have the vivid memory of my daughter, the day the nanny called in sick, and I had big meetings, and my daughter, I think, was four months old, and I had to bring her into work with me. Like, she was asleep under my desk. Like, picture a cubicle, basically, a big cubicle, with a four-month-old sleeping, like, with, I'm like, bottle feeding her under my desk as I'm on a conference call. Sure. And so I was like, okay, huh, all right, I'm still making this work. It's not easy, but it's all I'm making this work. Right. By my second kid, it just became, it just became too much. And, and I just, I wasn't good at anything. Like, I really wasn't good at anything. And aside from just being an emotional wreck, it just, um, I wasn't. I don't think I was being that great of a manager or consultant or anything like that. And so I just figured there just there has to be. This isn't sustainable. Is basically mm. what it was. That's. I feel like that's something that we. And I talked about this on an earlier podcast with Callie Yost, But that's something that we hear women saying to themselves a lot. Working moms in right. particular. I'm not doing anything right. I'm just not getting this right. Um, what was the moment? You know, I'm just wondering, there may not have been one sort of watershed moment for you, but what was, what was, can you think of a moment where you, you know, you were looking either at what you were doing at work or what you were doing at home and you said, you know what, this just isn't working. Like, what was the Hmm. breaking point? Yeah, um, I can't think of one moment. I mean, I can think of many little moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I keep on thinking about this, like, lean-in moment, you know, a moment where, like, I both really, really wanted and really, really didn't want to be put on a specific case. Um, and so you just have both sides of, of you just, like, um, just being completely torn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, I don't think it, there was a watershed moment particularly. It just was really looking out to my life and wondering how this was going to work for me, both short-term and longer-term. Mm-hmm. And I think, by the way, um, that, that that's sort of a little bit of a problem that that I think we need to almost solve is that it's like I think that we feel like there needs to be an answer that is sustainable for the long term. Well, mm-hmm. maybe that's that maybe that's also a problem. Like sometimes there can be an answer that's okay for now. Um, mm-hmm. So, for example, I, I just was talking. It, it was 
it was wonderful some of the reactions that I've gotten from um, my article. And I spoke with this woman who's an investment banker, and she's six months pregnant with her first child, and she's freaking out and like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And and you know, and I had this whole conversation with her, and then really thought about it all day because there was something that was really bothering me in the back of my mind, and. Afterwards, I wrote her this long email just saying, you know, I think that through many professional women are trained to always have a plan Mm -hmm. and trained to always have, like, this is what's going to take you for the long haul, and if you just do this, then it leads to this. If you just do this, it leads to this. And so for the first time in our lives, we're faced with this situation where, like, I don't even know what this, what I'm trying to lead to. Right? And so yeah. like, and so I just emailed her back just being like, you know what? Like, allow yourself a little bit of, like, surrendering for now. Like, allow yourself to be, like, whatever mom you want to be for now because it's not necessarily who you're going to be forever. Like, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily you're putting yourself on this path for the rest of your life. Not You're not. But, like, right. let it be for now. And then you may have a different situation in six months. You don't, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about way in the beginning. Like, everyone's situation is so individualized. Sure. That to think that one solution is the right prescription for everybody is mm-hmm. just, is where this, a lot of problems come. You know, I read, I read, like, and I'm going to paraphrase it totally wrong, um, but it was about lean in and it was like, you know why you can't have, you can't be like Cheryl Sandberg or can't have her work-life balance because you're not her. And, like, this to me rang so true. Because right. she's got wonderful alignment. She's got great support system, a fantastic husband. She's got some money. She's got a job where she's valued. Like, well, what about the people who have three kids and not two or who have parents they need to take care of or have, have mm-hmm. a husband who travels all the time? Like, your alignment is not my alignment. And so right. that's what we have to seek to get. That was a long, very long-winded answer. I apologize. No, no, it was great. It was great. And one of the things I'm trying to do on my podcast, though, I, is um, say yes less. So if you hear me, <laughs> because then all of a sudden you just hear me saying yes all the time in the middle of somebody talking. So I'm trying to that's just funny. nod on my end. Um, I think that's really, that's really, really a key point. One of the, I think we're talking about two different problems that we need to solve, right? So one is how do we start to, how do we end that um, endless comparison that, right. you know, comparing that we do? Um, yeah. And how do, how do we, how do we help each other, um, particularly those of us, the majority of us who don't have, you know, a staff as Cheryl Sandberg has, or who don't exactly. have you know, excessive resources and who have a lot of competing priorities, how do we help each other um, in all of our differences uh, really, you know, a- appreciate that we all need to do it our own way and, and, and sort of understand how to, how to support each other in making the decisions that work for us. Um, Cause exactly. I think we're, we're not doing that right now. We're no. not, we're not, we're not doing that in the media. We're not doing, we're not, you know, every time I see an article and I even saw this with yours, even every time I see an article sort of making one case about making a great case about let's, you know, let's rethink things a little bit. There's a defensive backlash that, that we see. Totally. And it's like, it's my solution. 
does not cast aspersions on your solution. Right. right? And the same thing about yours. Like, everyone is individual. So I, you, I think that's exactly it. So I think what happens is something comes out, and we immediately, like, put our own screen on it and say, like, well, that's not going to work for me because X, Y, and Z. Well, of mm-hmm. course not. So let's figure out what, what would. And instead of, like, instead of going back and forth about what isn't going to work, let's start to show sustainable models of success. Like, Correct. what does that look like? And, yes, it will look different for you than for me. And, frankly, it might look different for me at different times in my life. I right. now have kids who are school age. That might look very different than when they're all at home. It might look very different when they're in college. And right. that needs to be a, a, the model that we start to look at at different stages of our lives. And mm-hmm. I think work is going to be look different at those different stages. Absolutely. And it, it's interesting So because there, there are other solutions I want to talk about in terms of, you know, organizations and what kinds of work can be done and how. We'll yeah. get into that in a little bit. But what I, but, you know, there's an article in the New Yorker about Silicon Valley. It was a couple of weeks ago and how it's changing the way we work, you know, outside mm-hmm. of Silicon Valley. And basically the one piece I'm certainly, I'm not even going to try and paraphrase. I'm just going to say what <laughs> I remember. But um, someone was, someone in the article was talking about how they see careers um, as campaigns. It's sort mm-hmm. of like different cycles of a push. And then, you know, where you're sort of ramping up and up and up, and then you sort of cycle back down, you know, with the startup culture, um, if right. that makes sense. So I think, yes. um, I think that's so interesting because I think it's, it's so – we do tend to think of, like, okay, what's the solution going to be forever instead of, like, mm-hmm. here, I've got this block of time, and this is what's going on in the rest of my life. Um, you know, Mass Career Customization was a book that was written to sort of think about some of these issues um, by Ian yeah. Weisberg and Kathy Benko. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's useful to think about ramping up and up, ramping back and not thinking about permanent, permanent solutions. And, yeah. But it's, it's really hard. It's something that we, we aren't very practiced in. One of the stories that I like to tell, I'm not even sure I have. I've told it on this podcast or not yet, but um, in a group I was facilitating with working moms, one mom stood up and asked if, you know, asked very seriously, she was an SVP of a bank with an eight-month-old, and she said, can I, uh, what's the formula? Just how many hours do I need to be with my kids, and how many hours should I be at work, and how many meetings should I do a week? And she was absolutely deadpan serious. Right. Absolutely thought, if I just, figure this out now, then I've kind of got this covered because that's what we somehow, you know, convince ourselves. And that's how we got A's, by the way. Right, exactly. Right? Tell me the formula. I can plug it all day long. You Mm -hmm. know, I can tell you all the different different solutions for it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's that mindset where just tell, you know, I can get you to the answer. Like, I can get you there. Just help me figure out where to go. Exactly. Uh, and I think that's exactly right. And so what happens is, again, like my answer, you know, you might have a more difficult child who might need more of your time. Right. You might not. Right. And and the thing is, we just, we don't know. And so then, you know, like you have one kid who you think, oh, my gosh, like, well, I don't know what all these mothers are talking about. I have a kid who can sit in restaurants and sleep for the night. Like, aren't I a great mom? Mm-hmm. And then you have the second kid. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. 
Like, oh, right. what isn't working? You know, everyone's <laughs> different. And, and then to, to add, you know, multiple kids and then your family and then any help you have, it's all, those are all the variables that come into it. Sure. And so no one's going to be the same. Sure. Yeah, I think it's it's really a challenge. And and so, you know, one of the one of the questions or one of the challenges we have in, in making sure that we can be conscious and aware of, of how individual this process can be and how much it can vary is how we can change the conversation um in the media. So you wrote this article, you pitched this article to the Atlantic. I think one of the challenges that I'm seeing is that I've heard a, another another woman who was speaking um, at the New America Foundation a little while back, and she said that sort of her article about the joys of sing, of being a mother to a single child, to one mm. child, um, and memoirs of different writers who had uh, been who had only had one child. Um, the title of her article, I think it was in Atlantic, but maybe it was somewhere else, had been rewritten to say, want to be a successful working parent, have only one child. Well, I think you hit it. I think you hit it. It's like everyone's looking for the formula. And so we're like this quick, we're this quick hit, oh, formula, I plug myself in, it doesn't work, that doesn't work for me. Instead of sort of, you know, really saying, this is one solution for this one person what can i what can i take from it right you know what can i extrapolate from it right right so we need to i think what i'm hearing is we need to just continue to hear these different examples like yours hear different people different moms experiences and then talk about you know talk about what's exciting about about those stories what's engaging what's optimistic is that yeah I really I really do think so and I think what happens is that companies as we think about about I think companies make accommodations based on individual situations also so so then what happens when you're in the workforce as I experienced so when I was in the workforce I had my child and my company was amazing they really would have done they would have done anything for me and I felt that and so it wasn't them pushing me out it was more me pushing me out so Mm -hmm. then what happened 10 years later when you want to get back in but the situation is like I've lost all that credibility that I gained by virtue of being there so I think what happens is as different moms are trying to get back into the workforce, you go without any built-up credibility, so you can't really customize a situation, and you can't really – on both sides, right? So a company doesn't know, well, this person's worth it because they're so great. Either they have an expertise or their work ethic or um, they're just wonderful to have in-house, so I'm willing to make those concessions for them and at the same time the person who's applying for a job doesn't really know the company or the job so it just becomes a really difficult situation to manage trying to get back in and I think that's what a lot of moms are also facing absolutely no it is challenging and do you feel like you know as you 
sounds like you are looking to re- – well, you have your company. You have mom's yeah. Um yeah. I'm not sure if you're also looking to do project work yourself, um, but are you finding – are you finding that, you know, as you re- have you reached back out to your network that you, you know, that you were in touch with years ago, and, and how have you gone about the process of sort of ramping back up your work? Right. Well, for me, I've always been, and it hasn't been like, oh, I've kept a foot in the door. Where do you think project work could could really take off? What industries do you see really being able to embrace project based work? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I I see it in all industries in different capacities, right? So there's places where you have to be an expert. So uh, so things like law, where you know what you're getting in terms of a contract or a brief or research. There's also in business where there's some objective ability, like a financial model is a financial model. Um, there's also planning in terms of planning conferences, planning um, any type of uh, training programs, uh, I, I see it everywhere. Um, and to be able to carve out discrete projects, either that could support current uh, people who are working and just carve, carving out a uh, aspect there, or by virtue of something that they aren't able to do on their own and can have someone who can efficiently get something done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think there are a lot of opportunities. I think it's about how do we get companies to recognize the, you know, the opportunities for being able to do that and where this might fit in um, for them as a strategy. And then looking at, you know, also looking at the moms who are coming back into the workforce and helping them to catalog their skills in a way that are compatible with what those companies might need, right? I, I think that's exactly right. And how you're able to um, to really create key milestones and key objectives, and this is what success looks like, both from a work perspective and a management perspective. Mm-hmm. And and I think that people are would be okay, not necessarily with reaching, like, the heights of challenge for every single thing that they do because things end. And so it's one thing to say, like, okay, well, this project is going to be an incredibly challenging project, but I'm going to be done in eight weeks, so that's okay. I'll do that. And then the next one may not take so much of my time and may be, uh, you know, not as exerting on my abilities, and I'll do that next. And so by virtue of this, you really can can expand your portfolio of skills as well and figure out what it is that you're best at and how it, it, it is that you work and other – you get to really gain a lot of not only perspective but skill set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree with that. And I think we need to – we tend to think of resume gaps when we think about going back to work instead of thinking about, you know, for people who've been out of the workforce for a long time, instead of thinking about here are the skill sets that I've gained, here's, you know, here's how how I can be, you know, very concretely of service to a company and how I can accomplish these objectives. Um, it's often hard to get, I would say, from companies 
you know, clear, enough clarity around project descriptions and, and deadlines, um, you know, to make, to, to make it work. So what do you think are some of the, some of the things as a management consultant that you think that companies need to do in order to make room for more project work? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying is exactly right. That, that it, while it used to be that you were, it's almost like our, what our conversation earlier about that there is changing work so that what you thought is your job or your role may not actually be what you are either qualified or maybe there's much more that you can do. Um, and also if you take some of the skills that you've gained as a mom. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I know one person who ran a charity event and ended up getting hired by a huge media company because the – husband of the of one of the people on the committee saw how amazing this person and saw how the followers are and just this, this woman made a huge jump in her career uh -huh. so i think it's really considering all the different skills that you bring to the table and stop trying to label ourselves uh -huh. in like i'm a this right um so I don't know if that answers your question just in terms of, like, management consulting. But even management consulting, there's so many different parts of consulting sure. that that you can – it's really breaking all that stuff down to be able to say, okay, well, what can you do organizationally? What could you do financially? How can you help with strategy? And right. being able to think of those things in, in different ways. Absolutely. No, I think I'm asking management consulting-wise, just in terms of somebody who understands the structure um, and sort of processes and systems that place in place in an organization, just sort of think about it with that hat. But um, I think it's really, I think you're right. I think that's a really, you know, we need to stop shoehorning ourselves into sort of specific titles um, and to think think creatively and, and differently about about how we understand ourselves professionally. Um, right. And what what our skill sets are. Absolutely. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit to talk about. I mean, we're obviously talking about um, people who are part, you know, at moms that are part of a system here, right? Mm -hmm. Family system. Yeah. Sometimes that that doesn't include a partner. Sometimes it does. And you yeah. have to about um, you know, how about your husband's support? Um that he's given you as a parent as, you know, in terms of housework. Can you talk a little bit about how you, you know, once you decided to leave work, how, how you guys were able to talk through what those those changes might mean for your family? Right. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am one of the lucky ones, and and I, I know that every single day, both because I have a husband who is, absolutely willing to take on his share, uh, but more than that really pushes me to to fulfill what I need to fulfill. So in a, in a different world, like I went from being, as I, as I think I said in the article, like a profit center, bringing in money and being able to support the things that we do to a cost center where my value, like economically to the family, like the only thing I could do in a day is not spend as much money, Right. So, so it's it's a strange place to be for someone who really is always thought that they would be incredibly financially independent. Um, so I 
feel for people having to who don't have those same supports, both emotionally and financially, because I know that I really am one of the lucky ones. Um, and if I didn't have that, I don't know how sustainable what I do, right? I, I could, there's, it's not even, I don't know. I totally know. I couldn't do it. Mm. I couldn't do it. Right. Had there ever been a time when your husband said, you know, since, since you left the workforce where, you know, there was even a thought of like, well, maybe I would go back in and he would stay back or did that not really? Um, for, for us. Um, we the way we started out, he's a writer, uh-huh. and so the way that we started out, um, I he he was a lawyer by trade, and he left the law while I worked as a management consultant. And so mm-hmm. for our for my daughter's first eight months, six months or so, he was totally at home with her, and I made the money, and he didn't he you know was pursuing his dream. So I think that really informs a lot of our partnership. Mm. And so now um, he, now it's more me who every so often says, maybe I, like, wouldn't it be great if I could actually, like, pay for camp? Wouldn't it be great if I could, you know, like maybe right. I can. And, and, and he's like, no, 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 here we go. Like this is, this is you know, this is what you, you're meant to be doing. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, because that that kind of partnership is very fueling. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, it sounds like you guys have been really transparent about about what your professional and personal needs are, and been able to. And because you've been so transparent over time, you've been able to support each other. You know, in what those and in what you're what you're hoping to do, and what your what your vision for your work life is going to be. And it sounds like. I think that's right, and I and I do think that there is a um, there is a cost because there has to be um, you know I, we really enjoy putting food on our table and paying our mortgage, so <laughs> that definitely means that if I'm going to do what I'm doing and pursue what I'm doing, it limits him, and so it does mean that projects that he might want to pursue he can't. Because mm-hmm. I'm the one who's doing that, the dreamy phase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it makes it, it, it is, it's, it's, it's not always easy, right? So, right. and there are times when, okay, well, someone's got to stay home with the kid today who's mm-hmm. sick, you know? Right. Suddenly your dreamy phase starts to morph a little bit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. That sounds a little familiar these days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Um, I love that. I, I love that you guys are sort of talking things through and figuring it out. I wanted to talk about, um, finally, I wanted to just talk about the, I've been an activist in the work life flex, the sort of work flex, um, area for a while. Um, and you talked about as you looked for, you know, how flex time works today, you know, you looked through different yeah. sites to see what was available, family-friendly jobs, and you looked at, um, you know, what the what corporate America looks like right yeah. now. Um, well, we're, you know, I know you weren't terribly encouraged by what you saw, but were there any models that you saw that you, that you really thought, huh, you know, there could be 
there could be something to this. Yeah, I think there really are, and as um, and more people have brought them to my attention, which has been cool. I mean, I think people are trying. I really honestly think people are trying, and I think that corporations recognize that having an all-male executive team means that you're missing something. And so I think that's progress, right? Like, to really recognize that, like, there is a, a actual benefit to – your corporation, your company, your business, to have women with kids in high-level positions. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's a real – but to be very specific, I think companies like MomCorp are doing – are really trying their best to move things forward. I think they might have a little bit of the issue that I I mentioned earlier in terms of um, trying to – have concessions before there's the individual. So to be able to post a, like, we have the best family-friendly program or position, but only if you're this type of person, you can't really post that kind of job, right? Right. Um, so there's other companies that are coming out. Um, I, I just spoke with a, um, a woman, an MBA student at Northwestern, who's trying to do this um, job, uh, like a – it, a um, like a job site for moms who are MBA moms. Um, there is um, someone in Connecticut who's doing who just her site just launched called Inkwell, uh, mm-hmm. which is exactly what she's trying to do is customize different uh, positions and have project based work. So I think people are tr- are really trying um, to make this happen. And apparently like McKinsey has just started, the consulting firm has just started a study where they're trying to bring back their old consultants, not old, you know what I mean? Um, their ex-consultants who've left the workforce to see are there different places that they can place them. So I think there is, um, there are bright spots and I think Mm -hmm. people are trying to, trying to make this work. I don't, it's, like I often say when I'm talking to people about entrepreneurship, it's like if it were easy, someone would have done it already. And I think that's what this – that's where we are here. It's just not right. easy. And no, so absolutely. it's just – right? So it's just going to take a lot of of thought and a lot of us, like, working together rather than, as we were talking in the beginning, finding ways that that doesn't work for me. So, therefore, it doesn't work. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And there are, I, I mean, I, I wanted to hear sort of what you had heard um, in response to your article, but there are certainly um, a number of firms and a number of initiatives that are that are trying, that are doing yes. um, their best. Um, Flex Jobs, which yes. is oh, yes. a growing Great. organization. Yes. They, yeah, they uh, have a campaign, One Million for Flexibility, um, where they're really trying to garner support. They're trying to document it. I mean, we know that, that the tide is changing in favor of flexibility, um, but they their campaign is really, you know, getting, and they've already gotten significant support on board, um, and they are going to use that consensus, um, which I am very confident that they will, they will get. I think I'm very confident they're going to reach their million mark at least, um, and they're going to try to push push that agenda forward. So that's that's really exciting. Yeah, they are amazing. I totally should have mentioned them. Yes, absolutely. Oh no, yeah, yeah they, they are great work. They are fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a number of of organizations out there that are really trying to structure 
uh, work around projects. They're trying to make it, you know, really understand where moms are coming from, moms and dads who want to do project yeah. work. Yeah, I um, think that's a great point. So, so I guess to to close up the conversation, I did. I was going to end with flexibility, but now that I've mentioned dads, um, how how are how can what is your thought on how dads should can and should be involved in this conversation, and and where you know what's your message to them? Yeah, I think that's the. I always bristle slightly as I make this message to moms, right? Um, and because I think that dads face a very similar situation, many of them, and but many of them don't get. I talked in the beginning about my. These are my expectations about my career and my trajectory. Many dads have this trajectory, and short, there is no uh, other path. You just stay on your path. Mm. And so I think that to be able to have flexibility, to be able to even start to think about these different cycles of your career as you get older, as your kids are in different um, stages, wouldn't it be great for dads and for families? And wouldn't it be great either for a mom who's chosen a specific field who doesn't have many, many different choices or has chosen to stay on one path? Dads also should be able to do this. It's, it's about people, and it's about how you align people with the work that's best for them in order to get what they need out of their lives whether they have family, you know, families in terms of kids or families in terms of parents or families, frankly, in terms of friends. Right. Um, so I think that there's to, it sometimes to say, uh, you know, parents feels too broad, but it definitely is for trying to find the sustainability in our lives mm-hmm. at different points. And that's really the message. How do you find that and how does work contribute to the alignment of that. Absolutely. I I have to agree. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons why I call my company Reworking Parents is because I do think this is a conversation that, that is opening, that needs to be equally open to moms and dads. And, and I also, I think it needs to be much broader. Um, but what I find is it's parenthood that kind of, or sometimes it's elder care, but it, it's, Typically, parenthood that that creates the seismic shift in our lives yes. that helps us to see how how we need to be uh, how we need to be fitting these pieces together instead of just sort of running on empty. Um, I think that's exactly right. And then you get these mini inflection points along the way um, when you realize the type of kids you have. You realize the type of care your parents might need. You realize the choices that you've made in your family and all those things need to consistently be realigned to meet, to be able to meet those needs that you don't always know in the beginning. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a constant. I always say, you know, people talk about work-life balance. I have thrown out that, that phrase for the most part. And I talk about work-life fit or work-life integration. And I talk about, I talk about uh, Tetris, 
like, <laughs> and I completely date myself when I do. But I think it's, you know, our, our lives, you know, priorities shift almost constantly. And it's like that video game. You know, we're constantly yep. looking. You know, we know what our foundation is about. We are looking at different parts of our lives to see, you know, where we need to be focusing more of our attention and how we fit things together. And that's kind of the piece. And, and one other piece I wanted to add to what you were saying is I think we do need to recognize how, you know, how we can best fit our work into our lives. But I, for companies' sake as well, we didn't, you know, I think it's important to make the flip side of that argument, which is that, you know, if we're able to fit the our, you know, our work and life together in a in a more integrated way, we're going to be more effective in our work. I, I so, believe it. First of all, yes. First of all, I want to tell you that I wrote my business school essay on Tetris and exactly that. So I no knew way. that you and I were connected. Totally. No way. Oh, Paulette, I want to see that. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? That's amazing. Yeah, I love I love that metaphor. It's exactly right. And I think you're right. I think it's more productive people. It's not and 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 I feel really strongly about this, that I, that it really is not a situation where anyone's doing you a favor. You have to right. prove your worth, right. and you have to prove – and it's not easy. It's not saying that it's easy, but I do think you get more – the companies get more out of aligned, sustainable lifestyles. I do. Well, the, the research actually backs that up. So the Towers Watson study in 2012 that talked about sustainable engagement basically proved that the most financially successful companies have this extra piece that they focus on, which is how to help their employees manage their stress and workload. Yeah. And by yeah. doing that, they it's not just they make it it's not just the right thing to do. It's not just about, you know, what what's good for human time. It's liter it it helps their bottom line. And I think right. we need to somehow make that case. Strong. And that's the case that needs to be made. Absolutely, that's the case that needs to be made. And I hope that more people are encouraged to, you know, speak out in the way that you did and you you are about how work can change, because I think that really is what drives the conversation forward. And I think I'm hoping that through this podcast and my work as well, we can, you know, we can get people talking about the right thing, which is how do we redefine success and how can we, you know, bring our talents to to bear in our work and really recognize what it is we're bringing to the table. So that's it, listeners. That is our conversation for the week. I hope you enjoyed it. Probably for next week as well. <laughs> but I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I really love talking about this stuff. I love hearing from you. Um, if you want to find me online, you can visit reworkingparents.com or my new website, rachelellison.com. Yes, that is how you pronounce my name. It's spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L-E-L-L-I-S-O-N. And you can contact me through either of those sites and let me know what you're thinking. Looking forward to hearing from you guys.